good morning, everybody. Welcome all of you who are weary from the week. Welcome you who all are joyful in spirit. You came to the right place. Thank you for braving the cold to come out today to worship with us. It's very good to see you here. You make the body of Christ stronger by being together. So thank you for making the trek today to Patch to be with us. Our call to worship today, as it has begun the last four weeks, begins with the Advent candle today. Just to recap you from where we've been the last four weeks, um, the last week in November, we had our first Advent reading, which was from the prophet, of, uh, prophet Isaiah, from the ch- second chapter. It's the, uh, the candle of hope, of a Messiah to come who will judge the nations, who will settle disputes, a Savior, now get this, a Savior to end warfare. Very prophetic and very good for us of a military community. Swords and spears shall be beaten into plowshares, into garden utensils. They are prophetic of a time of a kingdom when nations will not learn war anymore. And our second Advent candle on the 4th of December, representing a candle of faith from Isaiah chapter 11. The Messiah's family, this, this Jesus that we now know, he would become from the lineage of Jesse. And last week, um, the third Advent candle, Isaiah chapter 9, a rose-colored candle representing joy. To us, a child is born, a Savior is given. The government, yes, the government will rest on his shoulders. This is prophetic of a king to come. Yes, we don't see him now, but he is yet to come. A wonderful counselor from the throne of David. And today, our fourth Advent candle, a candle representing peace. Today, the detail of the Messiah's birth is very specific from the prophet Micah, Bethlehem, Epaphratha. So, Barb Jensen, from, would you please come on up and would you light our, our, third advent, our fourth Advent candle today? Thank you. Okay, let's stand together. Let's sing of this prophetic town that was prophesied. Uh, o little town of Bethlehem. Hymn number 250. Sing with us together. Thank you. Please be seated. Hey, welcome. It's, it's uh, December together. Thank you so much for, for worshiping with us today at Patch Protestants. I want to remind you, we've got a wonderful Christmas Eve planned right here this coming Saturday. And so if you're in town, if you're able to come join with us, um, it's going to be a wonderful, reverent night. We have candle lights prepared. We have stories to tell. Um, we have actors um, that will tell you of the wondrous story that they experienced. So what can you bring? Please bring yourselves. Just come. Be present with us. Bring your friends. Um, bring your neighbors who might be new. Bring people you work with and tell them we have right here at 4 o'clock in the evening here a, a wonderful Christmas evening together. Um, you can bring some hot chocolate. I'm sorry, we'll have hot chocolate for you, but bring some Christmas cookies at home if you want. After the service, we'll just have a little time together um, for just some fellowship after the service. So you can go home together and have Christmas Eve, maybe as a family, if, you, if you'd like, or if you just have other plans. But come join with us. Don't be alone. And come be with us on Christmas Eve. And uniquely, this year works out where Christmas Day falls on the Lord's Day, on a Sunday. It doesn't happen too often. But we're still going to be here in worship together at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. Chapman Allman will be our preacher today. And if you can come together on Christmas morning, please feel free to join us. Um, We'll be here on 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. 
I forgot it. I just I found this out just a couple days ago. Um, but the gospel service that meets over on Panzer, they're going to have a little caroling today at the PX. So if you're interested and are available around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you know, it's nothing like other chapels coming together, doing fun stuff together. So they're going to meet in the, I think, in the food court. And they're going to kind of, they've done this a couple years in the past. They've got permission to do it. And they're going to carol up and down the, the mall, the food court, and maybe around the, to anyone who's interested in, in uh, maybe in the PX, I guess. So... That sounds like fun. So if you're around at 3 o'clock this afternoon um, over at Panzer, that's great. But if you're not there and if you want to have some quality music over in a beautiful part of Germany, come out tonight. I don't know if there's tickets available. They might, it might be sold out. I don't know. It might be pretty packed. But um, we're going to have opportunity to listen to a beautiful Bach oratorium singing some fabulous Christian music in a beautiful part of Germany, in the Stiftskirche, that downtown church in downtown Tübingen. And so we have someone in our congregation, I'm not going to mention her name, but she is singing in it tonight, and so we get to celebrate the German language in song tonight. So if you're around tonight, come out to Tübingen. Um, we'll, we might see you there, okay? Um, so one more announcement to um, this is our last Sunday doing the Psalms of Ascent. If you've been here for the last three months, we've been in a teaching series called the Psalms of Ascent. Psalms 120 through 134. But starting in the new year, we're going to have a new series, a new something to learn together. And our teaching team has thought about this. We've, we've put our thoughts together, and we would like nothing more than for you and us together to understand the fullness of who Jesus is. We're going to go back to the New Testament and we're going to think about Jesus the prophet and Jesus the priest and Jesus the king. His atonement. He's fully God. He's fully man. He's different than any other world religion out there. I want you to know that and I want our kids to know that deeply. What does Jesus speak to men uniquely about manhood? What does Jesus speak to women? What does Jesus speak to children and adolescents and our elders? All these wonderful things will have a series um, at the beginning of the new year. So come, be a part of that. If you are at all connected to that one beautiful verse, 1 John 2, 6, whoever abides in Jesus ought to walk in the same way as him. So if that rings true with you, come join us, us with this coming, this coming January. Okay, enough of me speaking. Let's sing another hymn together, shall we? It's Christmas season. Let's stand and sing hymn number 278, Angels we have heard on high. Thank you. Please be seated. Good morning. This morning we have a reading from the Gospel of Luke, second chapter, 8th through the 20th verses. This can be found on page 725 of your page of your pew Bibles. Page 725 of your pew Bibles. The shepherds and the angels. And there were shepherds living in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not 
be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. And that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. There will be a sign to you. He, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory be to God in the highest, and to earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they, they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Our second reading comes from 1 John, first chapter, first through the fourth verses. It can be found on page 862 in your pew Bibles. Page 862 in your pew Bible. The word of life. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the word of the Lord. I hope you'll never tire of hearing that story. I know you hear it on Charlie Bounds Christmas. I know you hear it every time of year. But I hope you never tire from hearing that story of good news and of great joy for all people. For unto you this day... In the city of David, a Savior is born. Glory to God in the highest, peace among those he is well pleased. And then this young woman, Mary. I know you've imagined her, I know you've thought of her like we all have. But this woman, young woman, treasuring up all things in her heart. But that's what we get to do on Christmas. That's why we come and make time for a chapel service like this. 
that we make time to treasure this whole story, this timeless story, together as a body of Christ. Yes, separated 2,000 plus years from Mary. But let's not miss this opportunity to still our minds for a brief moment of silent confession and treasure up all things in our heart like Mary. Take some time together with me. Heavenly Father, we all treasure the astounding fact that you, the creator of the world, of things seen, of things unseen, you, the creator of galaxies, of German forests and stars and snow and snowflakes, all intricately designed, that you, the creator of all things, have become human and chose to dwell with us. And God, this letter from 1 John reminds us that we have seen him. Not us in person, but others. Eyewitnesses have seen him and have touched him and have heard him. And so, Father, we relish in the fact that we are invited to this great joy that has been marching down to the centuries from that birth together. So, Father, be with our humble little chapel this morning. Yes, separated by two millennia, but still we treasure all things like Mary did. So come, be with us, Lord Jesus. Your Holy Spirit is the helper who dwells in our hearts. Make our worship rich to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The offering that we're going to collect today um, is, um, is, a, is a pretty special offering. I'll tell you about it in a moment. But if you'd like to give to just the Stuttgart community today, just the regular Stuttgart offering today, I'm going to ask you to use the digital process that we use. You can see that process on the back of your bulletin. There's a QR code to scan. Because that offering is different from the offering we're going to take today, which is a designated offering for an organization that might not be a household name yet. This is called the Shy Fund. And the Shai Fund, um, Shai incidentally means gift in Hebrew. And for the last several years, this organization has been very helpful in doing some of the most difficult things in the world. We first heard them about them when they were rescuing Christians out of Afghanistan, giving them refuge and food and shelter and water and help from trauma they've experienced. That's how we first heard of them. And they have projects all around the world in similar fashions today, but they provide housing and water and shelter um, for some of the most difficult situations in the world. So that's where the designated offering is going today to the Shai Fund. So with that thought, though, today, the other offering that we have is our voice and our person. Don't miss the fact that the best offering is always you. So with that thought, though, we have a new choir that was formed in the last, um, started in the last kind of several weeks. And so... I'm inquiring, would you come forward today for, as, we, as we sing with you, as the ushers come forward now for our boarding offering? Thank you.
been in Stuttgart even just a little while, you'll know how critical it is and how beautiful it is when the body of Christ at our different chapels of here at Patch and Panzer and Robinson, when we find ways to unite in simple ways. Yes, we have all different personalities of the body of Christ, and that is beautiful and that is good. But the one way which we can unite is by prayer. This past fall, when we collected these prayers from you, these different expressions, all so good. Thank you for sending them to me. One of the prayers came from someone who worshipped at a Robinson. And I'd like to read you his prayer today. It's very fitting because uh, this man and his family are actually PCSing today from Stuttgart. They're, uh, they're moving on. Um, they're probably in the hotel this moment. If they're not, they're worshipping somewhere. But this is... A prayer from Robinson um, to you and to all of us, the body of Christ in Stuttgart. He says, Father, I confess I have strayed in my thoughts. I've strayed in my words, in my deeds, in my actions so often. Help my unbelief. And help us as a community to confess our sins to one another and trust and believe and rejoice with your word that is true when it says that we are healed. Father, we confess that our actions convey that we don't really understand what it means to cast all our burdens on you because you care for us. So help us grasp the meaning behind the fact that when we do, you make our yoke easy and our burden becomes light. Because you demonstrate through the body of Christ in our chapel communities that you really do care for us. God, thank you for the many blessings to, of our families, of our chapel communities, of your people in and around U.S. Army Garrison Stuttgart. We are blessed beyond measure. And I put my own exclamation point in that prayer right there. 
So, Lord, help us to be aware of these blessings and extend them to others that come into our community and our contact on a daily basis. He continues, he says, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for caring for every need, dusting us off when we do, when we confess, reminding us of your love and not your wrath. Thank you for all who attend our chapels, their love for you and each other as they sacrifice their time and their energy to share your love to others in our community. Father, we need you deeply to be light in our own lives that often feel overwhelming. So Lord, we humbly ask that you would reorient our hearts this, this day away from self and toward our Savior, away from noise and toward your still small voice, away from sin towards your Savior, our Savior, aware from our self-centeredness and toward your demonstration of selflessness. God, we ask for your blessing this coming year as we seek to share the Lord Jesus Christ to others in and around U.S. Army Garrison Stuttgart. We ask for your protection over chaplains, he writes, for their families, for our congregations, strengthen, sustain, and supply our every need so that we can build your kingdom here in Stuttgart. Amen. To you, all the glory and honor and praise in the name of our Savior and Sustainer, Jesus Christ, he ends up writing. So, thank you for praying that prayer with me. And we pray for this man, Lord, and his family, wherever they be this morning, especially as they transition to a new and hopefully fruitful assignment. Jesus' name. Amen. We also get a unifier voice um, as we remember that, that, that sturdy prayer that Jesus taught us. Again, we never ever pray out of mindless repetition. That is not how we pray this. So each phrase slowly, we, we speak from our heart and speak it and pray it with unison to, to me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jody and I were talking this morning. Jody's my wife, by the way. Jody and I were talking about um, how, how music is a reflection of our culture. And as we now finish this sermon series of the Psalms of Ascent, this, this is the, 
the, the, the songbook of the Hebrew men and women centuries ago, it's interesting to think about culture and how music is a reflection of our time. I, w- I was thinking that maybe a good, fun challenge for you to do this week is to listen to AFN The Eagle, <laughs> maybe for a week while you go to work and while you're going home or wherever you might be. Listen to the radio and see if you can pick out themes of the music that is a reflection of our culture. Would you do that this week? It might be an interesting exercise. In years to come, when you leave Stuttgart, I'm thinking maybe five, ten years from now, I hope you remember our time in this humble little patch chapel going through this unique sermon series of these Psalms of Ascent. As you know, um, they're Psalms 120 through 134. They're right in the middle of your Bible, the very dead center of your Bible. And part of the motivation from going through the Psalms is that I have a bet and I have a hunch then years to come, I'm looking at most of you younger men and women out here too. In years to come, you're going to go through periods of confusion. And you're going to go through periods of challenge and injustice in your life. Things are not going to seem right. And what are you going to do then? You're going to open to hopefully this book. And you go right to the center of your Bible. And there, when you're in that moment of confusion, you'll find these traveling songs together. And maybe you'll look back. And you remember our time together in these Psalms of Ascent. I'm also thinking that it would be a wonderful, wonderful exercise for every man, every woman, every, every single, every family here. That every time you move, every time you take a trip or maybe set up a new house in a new place, you use these Psalms of Ascent as like a checklist to help you think about how you are going through a move. And these Psalms of Ascent can be your help for you anytime you set up a new home. For example, what I like to do is is run through what we've talked about in the last few weeks real quickly. Incidentally, on the back of your bulletin, if you have your bulletin here, I've listed out a summary of these Psalms of Ascent for you so you can you can take a couple key words from these Psalms of Ascent and maybe remember them, inscribe them in your Bible. So when your season of confusion comes and when it becomes time for you to travel again, you fall back on this beautiful part of Scripture. Here's a quick summary of what we've gone through over the last few weeks. Back in October, um, if you remember, we, we started with Psalm 120. And in Psalm 120, I want you to remember that words matter. Words are like, if you remember, a warrior's sharp arrow. Or words are like burning coals from, the juniper, from a juniper tree. Words injure. And words last for a long time. So, for example, you might say as you travel, how, we, how are we doing as a family? How am I doing as a person with my words as I travel? Psalm 121, the Lord watches over me. This phrase is repeated five times in Psalm 121. The Lord watches over you. The Lord watches over your life. He who watches over you will never slumber. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forever. Psalm 122. Why do I go to church? Write that in the margin of Psalm 122. 
why do I make this pilgrimage to Patch when I don't feel like it? Why do I join God's people when I don't feel connected to the personality of the pastor? Psalm 122 gives us part of the answer, not the full answer, but in, in that psalm he says, I, I travel for the sake of my brothers and sisters. It's a good reminder to us all that the reason that we come to, to worship in the morning, the reason we gather, is not to feed ourselves, but to be a gift to others and to bring a gift. So as a reminder, it's a challenge for us all as we go into 2023. The reason you come is a be- you bring a, a beautiful gift to everyone that is here in, in, our, in our worship service. And even your small little contribution does matter. Psalm 123. You remember this picture, don't you? You can tell a lot about a person by their eyes. And I might have you write the word eyes above Psalm 123. The eyes are the light of the soul. And Psalm 123 reminds us to consider the state of our eyes. We don't travel with eyes of contempt, arrogant eyes, eyes looking down on others as those pilgrimage pilgrim people remembered. No, we travel with servant-minded eyes, eyes looking up to the Lord. In Psalm 124, just the simple word, help. <laughs> help, the Lord is our helper. And if you remember those metaphors that Chapman Barang spoke of that morning, all God's people have experienced this metaphorically in their life, the raging waters overwhelming us, caged like a bird, torn apart by teeth, So when you're surrounded, when you're ensnared, when you're trapped, when you're torn in life, come back to the 124th Psalm because your help, your help in those moments is from the name of the Lord. Psalm 125, the first week of November, Chaplain Allman was here and he featured this word trust. I kept hearing the word trust. I know you did too in the Psalm. Those who trust in the Lord are unshakable. And that metaphor the chaplain almond spoke of was that sturdy Mount Zion right there. Psalm 126. What do God's people do when you have experienced tears? And lost of fortune and lost of and things that are important to you. What do God's people do? They sow seeds. They plant. They invest in growth. They dig deeper in their life. And in seasons when you're facing sadness, like these travelers experienced, We sow, we invest, look forward to a harvest. Psalm 127, Psalm 128, absolutely my, probably my top five, one of my top five psalms and all the the scriptures too. If the words labor and work and legacy and family mean anything to you, you've got to make Psalm 127, Psalm 128, part of your regular reading. Unless the Lord builds the house. I know you got to own this. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Psalm 129 reminds us of the great difficulty that many Christians and many of God's people, Israelites too, have experienced for all generations. This metaphor he uses is plowers plowed on my back. They made their furrows long. The furrowed lines of a plowed field are like the stripes on my back. And that, and that week we spoke about the, the horrific things that believers have gone through. But what do they do? 
in their great difficulty, they come back to those four words in the middle of the psalm. The Lord is righteous. And he will make all things right. Psalm 130. I really enjoyed hearing Chaplain Chris Pack speak that, speak that week too. He's one of our new Air Force chaplains here. He spoke of one of the, the, how we wait and we watch like a guard watching in the morning. What do you do if you're in a season of waiting? We wait on the Lord and we wait through his word. In Psalm 131, Psalm 132, last week, Chaplain Bering, again, a wonderful sermon about the, the, the word weaning. We don't read that in Scripture in any other places. But Ryan spoke to us how, how God's people, if they want to experience joy, we wean ourselves of those idols of comfort, of control, of personal pleasure. And that is how we find inexpressible joy. So, all of these Psalms, a treasure in the middle part of our Bible, which we don't hit too often, But remember that you weren't the first to read these psalms. And I challenge you to make them like a pre-flight checklist before you travel. Make these psalms your own too as you can. And now today we come to the last psalms of ascent. Psalm 133 and Psalm 134. I'll read today from the English Standard Version. Psalm 133. A psalm of a sense of David. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, that's Mount Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life, forevermore. In Psalm 134, come, come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in this holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. We are told in Psalm 133 at that superscript, that little heading that's above the psalm, that King David was the probable author of this psalm. And if anyone knew a thing or two about brothers dwelling in unity, yes, it would be King David. As you know, he was the youngest of eight brothers. (laughs) The youngest of eight brothers. Imagine, you know, brothers dwelling in unity. If anything knew about that, he would. Um, Just a couple days ago, I live on Kelly Barracks. I'm looking out and I see all the snowball fights out there and I see all of the pain and all of the battles and the bruises that the youngest little ones experience. Yes, if anything knew a thing or two about brothers dwelling in unity or the lack of it, it would be King David. But as you know, King David was Israel's second king. And that nation of Israel was founded upon what? 
12 tribes and who are 12 brothers. Israel's time of prosperity when those tribes are unified. Israel's time of decline when those brothers were in conflict. And isn't that true of any nation, maybe of our nation? Times when our brothers are unified, times of national prosperity. I think the same thing of our churches too, times when our churches are unified, brothers unified, times of prosperity. Times when your family has been unified, when people, when, when, the, when your family has grown, your family is unified. I think that you can make the same case for any, any team or any organization, any club you're a part of. Times when people are unified. You've experienced that, haven't you? What about your marriages? Times when we are unified in a marriage, times when we are prosperous. Psalm 133 is a beautiful psalm because it gives us very two beautiful similes and or metaphors. The first is this one here. It's kind of ironic, isn't it, that we choose a, a psalm about a man with a beard this time of year. But this is not the one you think of. This is Aaron the high priest. Brothers who dwell in unity, it's like the precious oil on the head running down the beard on the beard of Aaron, running down the collar of his robes. And pictured here is the holy, the most reverent dedication, the consecration of Aaron, the brother of Moses, the high priest, and the ordination of Moses. Let me read you some of the descriptive words from Leviticus chapter 8. It says, Moses brought Aaron forward. And there he washed, he washed Aaron with water. He put a tunic on Aaron. He tied a sash around him, clothed him with a robe. He put an ephod that's kind of a sleeveless apron on him. Then he put the breastplate on him, the urim and the, and the thummim, the stones. The turban was placed on Aaron's head, a gold plate, a sacred diadem. Then Moses took the anointing oil. He anointed first the whole tabernacle. He anointed and, con- anointed and consecrated everything in the room. He sprinkled oil seven times on the altar and the utensils of the altar, the basin with his stand, and then he poured oil on Aaron's head, anointing him, consecrating him for service. To me, it's a reminder that uh, brotherly unity, like this anointing process, takes work. I think we all would love brotherly unity, but it takes effort. It just doesn't happen. You have to put some effort into it, just like the consecration of Aaron the high priest. And holiness is the context here of Psalm 133. Brothers who dwell in unity, it is a holy matter. And it is quite special when it happens. It's like there's this God-given anointing and blessing that happens when brothers dwell in unity. And it has a trickle-down effect, doesn't it? it? It touches your beard, it touches your clothes, it affects everything that we touch. When brotherly unity exists, it affects everything around us, everything we do, our work. 
And if you, I think you are, if you're interested in finding that special work that God has for you in your lifetime, could it be said and could it be argued that it begins by brothers and sisters who dwell in unity? Chaplain Burring isn't here today. This weekend, he and his family are leading an AFRICOM retreat out into Garmish, and I'm kind of glad he's not here so I can freely speak about him in a way that won't embarrass him. <laughs> I've seen a lot of chaplains in my life since I put on the uniform first in 1991. And in Chaplain Burring, I have found one of the most humble, one of the most approachable, one of the most thoughtful, one of the most invested one of the most people-centered, honoring to Jesus chaplains I've known. I've also seen the same thing in Kelly Porter. You will not find a kinder man, a true gentleman, in the true sense of that word gentle man. He is prayerful. He is prayerful for you. He's prayerful for all of us. And Chaplain Rob Allman, who's sitting there in the back, I think, with all my glasses on. Few leaders always look for ways to say yes. Yes to ministry. Yes to make it happen. And if there's any, been any success in Stuttgart this past couple years because we have a leader who has said yes, he's always smiling. He's always looking for ways to bring positivity to what we do. And Chaplain Chris Lepec, I don't know if he's here right now with my glasses on. But a few months ago, I've got to know Chaplain Lepak. He is a wonderful man. If anything comes to mind when I think of this man, I think of wisdom with a sense of humor. <laughs> He's a really good guy. And you know how I know? We're doing this Christmas, Christmas play, this Christmas thing on, on, a, on Christmas Eve coming up in a few days. And he's excited about being a wise man. That's a good man. But it takes work. Unity just doesn't happen. You know, there, there are a lot of things that I wish I could improve about our chapel. I think about it every week. Little ways we can tweak to make this service better. But there's one thing that I think that we have going for us <laughs> in our favor as we go into 2023. It would be that our chapel pastors like each other. And we're, we're friends. That always doesn't happen. But I'm very excited. I'm optimistic for the future because of the friendship, because of the brotherly unity that exists among us chaplains. And I hope it has a trickle-down effect on you. But it takes work. It means what I, practical things you, I think you can take away. I think it, it means that it means continually seeing the best in each other. Looking for the good things, the gifts that people have. That's what, how brotherly unity begins. It begins with intentional encouragement, not just like, oh, hi, you did a great job in your sermon today, but it means going up to our brother and saying, wow, I really liked how you pulled that out of that sermon, that the Old Testament principle of Jesus as a scapegoat. Thank you for doing that. It means praying and not just doing it lip service. It means texting, texting someone through the week, what's apping them, time on the calendar spent with them, making time. Time is the most precious commodity we have. And if you are invested like I am and like we are, time with each other is such a gift. But that's how we build brotherly unity. Unity doesn't mean that we think the same, that we act the same, that we always like the same things, that we all have different personalities. But we have the same focus. 
We have the same destination of the living Lord Jesus. That's what unity means. Psalm 33 has one more metaphor that I think is quite beautiful and descriptive. I love mountains. I love geography. And I hope you do too. Brotherly unity is like the dew that comes from Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon, which falls on the mountains, this dew on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Mount Hermon is located in the northernmost port of Israel, part of Israel. It's about 60 miles north of the Sea of Galilee, about an hour's drive if you're there. Mount Hermon is actually a range of mountains, about three distinct summits. Yeah, that's beautiful, isn't it? Three distinct summits on the northern part of Israel that borders Syria and Lebanon. If you're interested, like this picture you can see, there's actually a Mount Hermon ski resort you can visit it. If you ever happen to get assigned with the United Nations, you can work at Mount Hermon's UN Observatory, which is the highest UN outpost in the world. It's kind of interesting. But Mount Hermon provides so much more, as the psalm writes, so much more than a ski resort and a lookout post. It's unique, unique geography, the mountains, they capture all this precipitation that comes off the Mediterranean. Because it's one of the driest areas in the world, the sea of, around the Dead Sea, to become just have, have, have water. That's where we get the Jordan River, and these little springs that flow from this mountain range, down from northern Israel, down to, to the south, to the mountain, the areas of Zion. This life-giving unity, life-giving. I've seen it this week in my own home. Five college-age students came to visit, two from Kentucky, three from Bodensee down at Lake Constance. That's five college-age students living in my home. Why is it life-giving? It's because they're all focused on the Lord. It's good, and it's pleasant when brothers dwell in unity. It's good. I've seen them sitting together, writing music at the piano. Sharing a morning devotion together, walking together, taking the dock for a walk. Granted, all different personalities, but coming together in unity because the one focus, the one prize that they have deep down in the life is ultimately pleasing their living Lord. I've never seen my son laugh so much when Max is around. I've never seen my daughter dance so much when, when her friend is around. They dance better, they sing better. Life is pleasant, as a psalm writes, when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. So how do you get this unity? I know we all want it, but how do you get it? How do you find friendships that last forever, that stand the test of time? How do you rekindle a marriage? How do you get this unity? I think Psalm 134 is our answer. Psalm 134 that comes right after this simply says this. Come. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. All you servants of the Lord. Psalm 134 is an invitation. It's the last of the psalms, but instead of wrapping it up, he says, no, come be a part of this. Come be a part of unity. Don't isolate yourself. Come be with it, with us. The second phrase is, bless the Lord. 
So the focus of people in unity is the focus is on their Lord. In this psalm here, the psalmist says, no, bless the Lord. Change your focus. I'll never forget the advice my best man gave to me on my wedding. Before my wedding, Kevin said, Eric, if you really want to go close to, you, to the Lord, if you really want to go close to your wife, here it is. You are one side, your wife, Jody's on the other. Jesus is up here. Eric, as you grow close to Jesus and have him be the affection of your life, and as Jody grows close to the Lord, as she grows closer to the Lord, have that same focus, what happens? You get closer together as a couple. What's hard is if you have an interest over here and she has an interest over there, and then over time, over time it's just natural, it's natural bound to happen, you're going to grow apart because you have different objects of your affection. Of course, have different hobbies, have good, have different interests, but if the, the root, the root prize of your life the living Lord Jesus. That's, that's how you rekindle your marriage, simplistically saying. Psalm 134 then says, Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. Psalm 134 is an invitation to have a new title, to have a new purpose in your life. For your whole life, you've been living by rank. There's a better purpose and a better title to be a servant of the living Lord, the creator of the snow, the creator of force, the creator of galaxies, the creator of DNA. God, oh, what a better, what a better title to have, servant of the living Lord. Ironically, it's at the base of this mountain, Mount Hermon, where Jesus gave that same invitation to some weary travelers. Read about it in the book of Matthew, chapter 17. Jesus was gathered with his disciples at the base of Mount Hermon in the town of Caesarea Philippi, an old Roman town. And Jesus asked the question to them, who do you say I am? It just might be the most important question you answer in your lifetime. Jesus asks you, who do you say I am? It's fitting that we end this sermon series with another psalm of invitation. A traveling song that we have sung for years. Oh, come, <laughs> come, come, all you faithful. So let this closing sin be an invitation to you, not just a Christmas song that we sing, but an invitation to come join this traveling group, this pilgrimage of us weary and imperfect people, but, but righteous under the Lord Jesus. So let's sing this together, shall we, as our closing song today. Hymn number 249. Oh, come, come, all you faithful. Oh,
us to 